This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hey, welcome again to The Fearless Lover here on Personal Life Media. The Fearless Lover, the spiritual foundations of present, boundless, and enduring love, where every week we explore uh, this question of how can we love more fully, how can we love more um, undefended, and how can we live the life of love that we, most of us, probably really want, but don't always have the tools uh, to get there. A lot of times, it's their relationship with their mother. A lot of men have been smothered, or they've been abandoned, or they've been neglected, or, you know, what, whatever happened when your mother is not present, you know, when the mother is unconscious or has a lot of, like lots of us do, nobody's perfect, so the men come with that kind of wound. We bring the women in and we usually have an equal number of women to men. So throughout the weekend, they get a lot of strong mirroring. So they get to really see, you know, in a very uh, dynamic way how, how the process has happened with them shutting down. It was actually something that Barry Long originally said that till a woman can really express her rage, yeah. the full depth of her love won't be able to be expressed or experienced. When it's suppressed, she turns into a bitch, she turns into a castrating woman, she turns it inward so that her life juice and her passion and her, and her love is distorted, becomes harmful for herself or others. This week, I, I feel really uh, privileged. We're interviewing um, two women who work together, Raggio Markman and Britta Johnson of the celebration of celebrationofbeing.com. And first, let me just welcome you, Raggio and Britta. Thank Hi. you. Thank you. Now, you've come all the way from across the sea, uh, from Europe, and you have some really interesting backgrounds. And uh, before we get into the work you do, and you do work both with uh, men and women and together, um, you run something fascinating called the Noble Man Workshop and then something for women called the Power of Love. Um, before we get to your workshops, and I'm particularly interested in how you move people out of fear and into new stages of their life through rites of passage, can you give a little background on, first of all, introduce yourselves, and a little bit of background on how you got here and how you came to understand what needed to be done. So, Raggio, can I ask you first? Sure. Are you, are you asking for my background? Basically, yes, uh, I, was, I spent many years in India and, and was with the mystic, the Indian master, Osho, and I really saw that there's a whole other way of living possible. And, and a lot of it has to do with really turning towards that which we fear, um, that which is a shadow side, and embracing it rather than transcending it. So, you know, it's in a way an alchemy, which I've very much experienced and we bring into our work, which is, you know, part of the rites of passage that we do. There's... Um, really turning that base of metal into gold. 
Excellent. And yeah. uh, Britta? Yeah, um, I also started my I started my journey actually um, working as a social worker in for for women who um, le- you know abused women in women's shelters, and um, you know starting there with um, you know wanting to empower women, and um, and then also, then I started you know that was more from a political kind of feministic kind of background, and then I you know and then also I spent about ten years in India in the east in the ashram, and, um, you know, this came to a whole other understanding, you know, a whole other side of understanding of why um, there's abuse between men and women and why they fear, you know, why the genders fear each other, you know. And um, so, yeah, so then this really came a passion to heal from the inside and, and to, like Raja was saying, to lean into the fear, to embrace the fear, to expose the fear, you know, to, um, yeah, to, to shine the light on it. So, and to use it actually as a doorway to love, you know, and like to go, go through the fear into the love. Let me ask you a sensitive question about this because um, this topic has come up, as, as you know, I work with um, David Data often, and he uh, points out that, that the first thing someone has to do when they're sort of riven by fears, when they're owned by fears, is they need to get some basic therapy and, um, and become kind of stable before they can really dive into their fears. Where do you stand on that? I mean, because I'm a big believer in you have to, as an adult, really turn toward your fear, as you say, rather than constantly try to run away from it. But at what point you must come across people who are not ready to do that. So what would your caution be for people? You know, I would have a little bit of a different opinion on that, just um, because we've worked with all sorts of people, you know, people that are just starting and people that have done years and years and years of therapy. And unless you're really, and, you know, there are, of course, people that are really um, seriously, they're seriously, you could say, I don't want to use the word damaged or something, but there's people that that are, you know, really need therapy, but I would say that's maybe 5% of all people, you know, in my opinion, like the other, you know, the people that have been very abused or very traumatized, you know, and you just have to go slow with these people, you know, like that's what I feel, like you just go, you don't go full, we are not into heavy confrontation, we don't do that, you know, we go very gentle and very, we just go as far as a person can stay present with you know, it's a process. If a person goes into that trauma and, you know, then you have to back off, you know, so it's kind of like a slow, uh, gentle leaning into it, you know, and you can do that with almost everybody, I feel, you know, and, and you just need to be very sensitive and the person needs to know what they're doing. <laughs> the they the facilitator. What? The facilitator needs to know what he or she is no, doing. No, yeah, the facilitator, but also the actual, the... um the person that's doing the work, you know, like, I feel like they need to be really with it and and really want to do this. I would never force a person to go there. Right. Or, you know, to like kind of like push a person to go there. It's more like they need to want to do that. And I think what Britta said about being present, you know, as long as we're present in this moment, there's often not a problem, you know, the fear is is often coming from all the accumulated past that we're carrying and then that is projected onto the future. When we're present right here, um, that's the doorway into the truth, into the love, into this moment. And 
that's a lot of what we work with is really having people be very present in their experience moment to moment. So part of the workshop would be getting people to become present to what's happening rather than to what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's funny, I, I'm just in, in the middle body, of... In their body, present in their heart, present in their experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm just actually right in the middle of Eckhart Tolle's The New Earth. Yeah. And beautiful expression of that uh, necessity. Yeah. Uh, talks very deeply about that. So let's talk about... I, I'm curious about the kind of men that would come, for example, to um, your noble men workshop. Um, I don't know who they are, but what are kind of the, the fears or um, what, is, what do you find holds them back from really being able to give themselves over to love fully, generally? Um, a lot of times it's, it's their relationship with their mother. You know, they, they, you know, that's kind of where it starts. You know, that a lot of men have been smothered or they've been abandoned or they've been neglected or, you know, what, whatever happened, you know, when your mother is not present, you know, when the mother is unconscious or has a lot of, you know, like lots of us do, you know, no, nobody's perfect. So the, the men come with that kind of wound. And um, and we have all sorts of men. We have men that have done lots and lots and lots of spiritual work, you know, and lots of, um, those are actually, I would say, probably half the men uh, have really done They've done a lot of men's work, especially the, the work that we do in L.A. The, the men have done a lot of their own work already, just with men amongst men, which is, works really well. And then we also have men that, you know, just kind of stumbling into it, that a friend told them about this, and they're, they're arriving there, and they're going, oh, God, what did I get myself into? And, um, and uh, you know, and this more like a beginning for them. It works... I would say it works better, or you you can go deeper in our work if you if the men have already done work before, sure, of course. before they came to us. Yeah, in their own sense of their own manhood. No, of course, it's a masculine. So a smothering mother might be a, an example of some other fears. What else? What other kind of things do you come across that that need to be healed? Very often, it's just a a, a real inability to relate to the feminine, which often comes from the relationship with the mother. But there's, you know, we find that men often have deeper wounding than women. And they do a better job of covering it up, of course, because, you know, they learn to toughen up and get on with it in the world. But women have a way of talking, of sharing, of crying, of releasing, of, you know, letting their heart break and letting it open up again. And very often men when their heart is broken, whether it was by their mother crushing their balls, uh, excuse the language, but, um, or whether it was, you know, in a relationship, you know, 15 years ago, very often men's heart gets broken deeper and it takes a lot more tending to in order for it to heal and open up again to that undefended place. I, I can I see that all the time and and what are some of the processes you use uh, in your workshop for uh, men like this? All of our work is very experiential, mm-hmm. um, so we you know we really we go in deep. We we really um, use a lot of relating processes. We bring the women in there. The women are holding space for the men. We usually have an equal number of women to men, so 
in the throughout the weekend they get a lot of strong mirroring, you know, whether that be from their mother or certain women in their life that have you know wounded them, shut them down. So they get to really see, you know, in a very uh, dynamic way how you know how the process has happened of them shutting down, and and as we transition through the weekend, you know, a lot of those layers get peeled away. And then, you know, they can to melt, start to open up, start to soften those places again. And then um, by Saturday, by Friday evening of the workshop, um, you know, the men are very often then in a place to to really open to receive the true feminine, which which has the essence of love and devotion, and and then that enables him to really tap into his true masculine, which we call the noble man or the knight without armor. And then after that, they can go to their, go into their rite of passage where they really can, can let that be seen and let that be honored by, by the men and the women, which is really beautiful. It must be such a sense of relief. I, I also do a lot of work with men, and I've come to understand over three years of doing this, um, is that a lot of men don't really feel worthy of being that knight without armor. They don't think that they'll be accepted as that knight without armor because they don't feel they've accomplished enough yet or they don't feel they're deep enough yet. They can see it. They can see it on the horizon, and so they settle for um, a much lesser form of masculinity. Do you find this often? Yes, yes. I mean, there's, there's, um, that was something I wanted to say when you asked about the wounding. Um, their men have, you know, they must have had their masculinity wounded a lot. Like, because of the kind of, you could say, almost war of the sexes, yeah, that, that somewhere goes on, or the unconscious hurting of one another, it's like men often don't feel very honored by the feminine. You know, it's like, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. We, we don't honor each other. And so men often feel emasculated or women are so, in, especially the kind of new age men or the men, the, the men that, that, are, that are, you know, becoming more vulnerable and stuff. And, you know, and because of the wounding of the feminine, women often go in there and crush their balls, you know. <laughs> and really, I mean, I have to say that, it's, you know, or try to change the men and try to, you know, like, like just kind of... Um, you know, there's often a lot of kind of bitterness or, excuse my language, bitchiness, you know, that comes from women so that, that the men feel by the time they get to us, they feel like, God, you know, they feel like often beaten down or something, you know, and so um, so that's also something that we're, one of our intentions is really hard, hard, hard to learn to honor the masculine and like for the feminine to be like the wind beneath the masculine you know, wings, you know, instead of, you know, kind of having this power struggle going on, you know, that especially because women, you know, kind of feel more independent and very strong and um, in a way women have become more masculine now, you know, sure. so, um, and yeah, so, so that's what I was trying to say, that they come to us feeling emasculated and not worthy, like you were saying, they don't feel that essence anymore. Of the, and there isn't much role modeling, what it means now in the year of 2008 to be a man. There isn't hardly any, you know, that's why I'm so happy there's all this men's work springing up, you know, where men are really finding what, what does it mean to be a man now. 
I think that's probably why you chose the idea of celebrating the noble man as the name of your workshop, the celebration of right, we're celebrating men. A lot okay. of it, I think, is is that you know it's wonderful that so much men's work is happening, and and the true test of that is when men come face to face with women. You know, that's where all of our foundations get rocked. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's all great, and we can do all the work in the world, and then we come to meet the opposite sex, and it's like, okay, let's put this to the test. And it's the same with the women, and what we found is that there is a real alchemy that happens, and it's very beautiful when, um, you know, when the women, as Britta said, can really honor the men, and that is such a healing for the men to, to really be seen and honored and held and heard you know, in the places where they're broken, in the places where they've been hurt, and to not be judged, to not be condemned, to not be put down, but to be really seen and felt in that place. And um, for the women, it's very healing to actually do that holding, because that's the role of women naturally, is to be the nurturer, to be the caretaker. And in a way, what happens in our work is a beautiful returning to our natural essence, as men, as women, and, you know, when we can remember our rightful roles, and the women, it's the love and devotion, and in the men, it's just really owning and honoring that sense of presence and purpose. Um, you know, it naturally happens in the, you know, in the dance between man and woman. But it's, you know, it's often been stripped away by all the roles that we have to play in the world, and we're all just very confused <laughs> about who the hell we're supposed to be. There's really not a lot of opportunity, as you said, for men to heal their inner conflicts. I remember back when, <laughs> that when I used to hear, oh, this is healing, I would take an offense to that. I would say, well, I don't need to be healed. I'm not sick. I can handle myself, right? And it's typical sort of, you know, surface masculine, <clears throat> you know, really... Really, really not willing to accept the idea of healing. You know, uh, it's just not how I think how a lot of men uh, approach. You know, what they want to achieve in life. Um, but what you do, it sounds like, is you create a um, uh, a format for men to number one be healed by the feminine in the workshop, which is nice. Yeah. And I want to talk about the, the other direction as well. What what's the responsibility of men, or what's the opportunity for men uh, in the healing of women? and in, in the opening of women to, to love. Yeah, so there, there, that's really, that's also, so in our kind of sequel, you know, it's, it's like the men do that first, they do the nobleman first, and then they come and hold space for the women, you know, yeah. and um, which we call the power of love. And, and there, you know, then when, once they've really tapped into their, you know, masculine essence and into the, protector and uh, you know to really hold space for a woman then the women get to let go you know mm -hmm. and really um, and there's part of it is holding space for woman's rage you know there's definitely rage yeah for the you know because of the you could say because of the suppression of the feminine on a, even on an you know global unconscious level you know on collective level that women do carry that kind of rage you know or anger towards masculine you know and so there's a safe space where men men hold the space for the women to to express that and that is very healing for the feminine to have to have that kind of fiendish you could say to to be able to express and to say everything that that you know that's bugged you or that's you know, upset you for years, and so, um, and the men, 
you know, have have learned to to hold space without taking it personally, without but being a wall and and hearing it and getting it, getting a woman's rage. And there's the saying that you don't know the depths of a woman's love until you've heard her rage, you know, and until you've let let her do that without taking it on or without defending or without you know going back at it. So um, that's very healing for women's heart and very softening and. And just for, it's very similar in a way. It's just the other way around that it's like the, for them, for the woman to really be heard in their wounding and in their, and to be gotten in what they need, what a woman to really be able to express what a woman needs and what she wants to receive and for men to hear that and hold space for that and be there present for all that was, you know, kind of like it's for the men are learning to kind of Hold a space for a woman's emotional roller coaster rider without going on it with her, but also not going away. You know, like a lot of men, when a woman gets emotional, they kind of just space out or um, go away, and which mm-hmm. is very painful for a woman. Yeah, and so they've learned to stay with them, but not to go on the ride with them. And it's very healing to have a man being really present for a woman. It is. I, I'm really struck by the statement you made. You don't know the depths of a woman's love until you feel her rage. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this is from a tradition or if this is something that you, you have developed in your workshop. It was actually something that, uh, that Barry Long originally said, which we've used a lot in our work. Barry Long is, 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 was an Australian master who taught about making love, true making love, and what that means. Um, but we've also really experienced it in our work, which is that, you know, until a woman can really express her rage, yes. the full depth of her love won't be able to be expressed or experienced. Because collectively, um, you know, on a cellular level, she is caring so much. And I think when it's when it's suppressed, you know, she turns into a bitch, she turns into a castrating woman, she turns into, you know, she turns it inward, you know, so that her life juice and her passion and her and her love is is um, distorted, you know, becomes, uh, you know, harmful for herself or others. And when she can express it cleanly and clearly, there's such a freedom and such an opening of her heart after that. Well, I can hear how much uh, opening of your heart is in both your voices. It really comes through. And uh, it sounds like you run some magnificent workshops. Um, to, to review, you have a celebration of the noble man, which is for men, but you have women there from previous women's workshops, it sounds like. Yes. yes. And then you have for women something called the power of love. Yes. And there you have men who have also gone through your workshops to hold space and support the women. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's fantastic. Are there any other workshops people should know about? Are those your beginner? We we are the foundation of our work is around the feminine. So we are both women, and um, we start with the feminine because we feel you know the feminine is really what's in urgent need of healing and recognition and and uh, honoring um, personally and for the planet. And so we have a workshop called Celebration of Woman, which is actually our foundational workshop when women have gone through that and they can hold space for the men um, when they're steeped in their own feminine essence. So that's 
that's the foundational workshop that we run, and then it runs into the Noble Man, the Power of Love, and then we have a whole stream of workshops that continue on from that. We have workshops for younger women, we have workshops for older women, we have mixed gender workshops, and they're all on our website. Beautiful. On your website? Yes. Also, we do um, trainings, you know, when people, for people that really feel like they want to actually work with people or they are looking for their purpose, for their mission, for, you know, now that I've done my own work, what is my gift? You know, how can I contribute? How can I help? And so, so that we find that there's a lot of people that have that question, you know, how can I unwrap my presence? How can I offer my gifts? So we also do trainings for people for that that have gone through our other programs with us. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, the easiest way would be? Through our website. Did, you, did we mention already? Yeah, celebrationofbeing.com. So it's celebrationofbeing.com. Yes, right. Excellent. I, I just uh, I want to say how much I enjoyed this. Uh, you've communicated a lot of heart, a lot of depth, and a lot of brains in, uh, in just a few minutes, and it sounds like you're doing some great work. Are your workshops mostly on the West Coast uh, of the United States? We, we work on the West Coast, and we work also in Europe, mainly in England. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, is, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off this week? I'd just like to say thank you to you for being so open and you're asking great questions. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I love the work you're doing. I, I know how important it is. I'm involved in similar work, and, uh, and I really want to thank you, and I want to recommend everyone to check out uh, celebrationofbeing.com, uh, where Rajo and Britta can be found. And uh, it sounds like you're doing great work, and I look forward to working with you sometime soon. Thank you thank so you. much, Adam. Thank you for the great work you're doing also. Thank you. You've been listening to The Fearless Lover here on Personal Life Media. We've been talking to Rajo and Britta, who do fantastic work on uh, um, the noble man and the foundations of love um, for women. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 